You're listening to Florida Capital Conversations, a podcast series brought to you by Holland and Knight's Tallahassee office. Each episode of this series will take a look at the many different aspects of state and local government through the lens of our experienced legal professionals. Our hosts, Nate Adams and Mia McCown, have a wide range of Florida governmental experience and offer a seat at the table to everyone who listens to these candid conversations. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Mia McCown and Nate Adams here again, talking about some other issues going on in our state government that impact our Florida citizens. Today, we're talking about energy, Nate, and how lucky are we to have Bruce May and Kevin Cox to talk to us about energy, what's going on day to day, how it impacts our lives, and maybe even give us a forecast of what they see might be coming up in the legislative session. Bruce, Kevin, welcome. Thank you, Mia. Glad to be here. I guess to get us started, our it seems like our country's energy system has a significant impact on our economy. I think we can all agree that we have seen the increase in price and our electric bill. I know I have definitely seen it when I've gone to the pump. So there's always seems to be a lot of interest in energy issues, especially when it hits our pocketbook. Can you describe your background in the energy sector and what areas you guys play in? I've practiced in the energy law sector for, gosh, over 35 years, primarily in Florida on electricity and natural gas matters. Both of those uh, industries are essentially utility industries, and both are heavily regulated by the Florida Public Service Commission. So most of my work is before that agency, which which is called fondly the PSC. My experience includes me uh, uh, formal administrative hearings on electric and natural gas rates, administrative rulemakings on energy policy, traditional power plant development, solar energy development, utility service territory disputes, and electric and natural gas contract negotiations. Uh, I also work on legislative matters uh, from time to time involving the state's uh, energy policies. While most of the electricity and natural gas issues that I work on are resolved at the PSC level, unfortunately, some disputes are not, which means litigation. My partner, Kevin Cox, works closely with me on energy matters, and and Kevin handles litigation of those issues. So, uh, Kevin, why don't you you share a little bit about your background? Sure. And uh, as Bruce noted, I uh, spend my time in the litigation sector and do a few other things other than utilities. But the utilities and industry uh, sectors are so interesting because, as me, as you note, it's, it, it, it really makes a difference to everybody. And uh, at the same time, there's just a bedrock of law that's been developed over the years. At the same time, this meeting, an oncoming uh, wave of, of emerging technologies and interconnectedness and other issues that are constantly uh, forcing uh, the, the industry to look at itself and figure out how regulation is going to work. And those issues do sometimes come up to uh, whether it be the state circuit court, and uh, it could be all the way up to the floor Supreme Court, uh, appeals from the PSC on electric and gas matters are appealed directly to the floor Supreme Court. Sometimes we deal with these issues in, in federal court, and sometimes we deal with these issues in uh, the Division of Administrating, Administrative Hearings as well. There's a lot of different ways that, that uh, questions of law, interesting questions of law that ultimately affect all Floridians um, get resolved, both in the PSC as well as sometimes, as Bruce noted, in, uh, through litigation in other forums. 
Bruce and Kevin, what are some of the more immediate energy issues that Floridians should be aware of? There's just a, there's a myriad of issues in the energy sector, which I think most Florida citizens would be interested in. Several issues stand out uh, from my perspective. There's the recent electric utility rate cases. And then there's uh, a, a very interesting evolving issue involving the electrification of our state's transportation system. Kevin, do you have anything uh, other thoughts in that area? I mean, I think some others that that would be worth kind of talking about would you know, the development of solar power projects and, and uh, renewable energy, certainly a, a, a key part of the discussion these days, as well as broadband deployment, which you might not traditionally think of as as a as an energy issue, but it but is in many ways related. Wow. So electricity and broadband development and state transportation. What do you mean by an electric utility rate case? Also, in that same vein, y'all talk a lot about the Public Service Commission. I know enough about that to be dangerous. How does all of that interrelate? Like, who is the Public Service Commission and how does that all relate to what Nate said? I agree about these utility rate cases. The Florida Public Service Commission is actually an agency of the legislature. It's uh, in unique in that respect. It's not an executive branch agency. So it's reliant on legislative funding and it takes uh, many of its directives from the legislature itself as opposed to the, to the executive branch. It's comprised of five um, individuals uh, who are designated by the Florida Public Service Commission Nominating Council, and then they're appointed by the governor. The Public Service Commission regulates investor-owned utilities. Investor-owned utilities are different from municipal utilities in that by investor-owned utilities, I meant they're, they're publicly owned by publicly traded stock, and uh, those companies would be Florida Power & Light, Duke Energy, Tampa Electric Company, and Gulf Power. That gives you kind of some background. And when we use PSC, that's who we're referring to. I think you talked about the utility rate case. What what was interesting about that? The rates charged by the Florida investor-owned utilities are, are periodically reviewed and are really closely regulated by the Florida Public Service Commission in formal administrative hearings. And we call those administrative hearings rate cases. Typically, the utility puts on a witness, the witness is sworn, and then provides testimony justifying why the utility is charging certain rates at certain levels to certain people. And that proceeding is contested. It's, it's, uh, in many cases, uh, it's, a, it's a disputed administrative proceeding, and the stakeholders would be the Office of Public Counsel typically represents the residential rate payers. There's the industrial power users group, which represents the large industrial users. Then the Florida Retail Federation also plays a role. They represent a lot of the, lot of the commercial customers. The reason I wanted to identify that is because all of the major investor-owned utilities, Duke, Tampa Electric Company, uh, and Florida Power and & Light, and Gulf Power, have recently either undergone a rate case or uh, they're in the midst of one now. So yeah. when we get our bill, it's not just the companies necessarily setting the rate. What you're saying is that there's a, a process that goes through kind of a check and balance as to what the companies are doing? Yeah, the, a, an electric utility or any other regulated utility in Florida, be it gas, water, wastewater, or electric, they can only charge rates that are approved by the Public Service Commission. And those rates have to be, quote, cost-based. 
And that's what a rate case is. Essentially, the utility has to come in and say, these are the costs of me providing you the service. And this is why these costs are reasonable. And the Public Service Commission closely reviews the reasonableness of the cost incurred, as well as the prudency of the utility's actions. So, And Florida Power and Light is in the midst of that right now. Uh, earlier this month, they announced that Florida Power and Light announced that it had reached a settlement with some of the stakeholders in resolving its rate case. And uh, one of the key issues in that rate case is Florida Power and Light recently acquired Gulf Power. And Gulf Power serves in northwest Florida around the Pensacola area, extending over the Florida Panhandle. Florida Power and Light has historically served southeast Florida. By FPL acquiring Gulf Power, you know, Florida Power and Light is now going to serve the peninsula of Florida and the southeast as well as northwest Florida through Gulf Power. So that's going to be a key issue. In the rate cases, how those two utilities, Florida Power and Light and Gulf Power, will be consolidated and coordinated. So, a lot of uh, a lot of businesses are looking closely at that issue right now. Bruce, you also mentioned the idea of the state transportation uh, system being electrified. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of people think that the state's transportation system is is regulated by the Florida Department of Transportation, and that's that's true in, in a very general sense. But in 2020, the Florida legislature passed a law, which is codified in Section 339.287, Florida statutes. And that new law directs the PSC to assist the Florida Department of Transportation in developing a very wide ranging master plan for electrical vehicle charging station infrastructure along the state's highway system. And so the Public Service Commission commission is playing a role in that regard in that it's primarily responsible for projecting the increase in the use of electrical vehicles over the next 20 years. Uh, The Public Service Commission is also charged with maintaining or ensuring that there's an adequate supply of charging stations to support and uh, encourage the, uh, the, the deployment of these charging stations throughout Florida. One of the big issues in, in EV or electrical vehicle in, in that sector is range. A lot of people feel very comfortable in plugging in their car in their garage and driving around town to Publix or to the to the movies or you know, whatever we used to do before COVID. But the the real issue becomes there. The, the studies show that people are reluctant to use electrical vehicles to travel far distances to go to Jacksonville, Atlanta, Pensacola, Miami. So what the state is trying to do is to encourage the deployment of these charging stations along the highway system to alleviate that concern and, again, encourage the deployment and growth of electrical vehicles. And the Public Service Commission is playing a very large role in that. The, the law provides for the investor-owned electric utilities to actually own and operate charging stations. Uh, they provide the electricity, they supply the electricity to these charging stations, but they also will compete with other electrical charging companies. So uh, the the Florida law was drafted in a way where that competition has to be competitively neutral. And so that a lot of folks are really looking at this when you have the larger utilities getting involved in the actual retail provision of electrical charging services. Uh, So that's gonna be kind of an issue that that I think a lot of folks are gonna be watching closely as this thing evolves. Along the lines, too, we keep talking about alternate energy, it seems. What are some of the key issues with solar power? I mean, here we are in the sunshine state, right? You would think solar power 
would be a lot more prominent than it is. What are what are you have any thoughts or can give us some insight on where Florida is going in the area of solar energy? Florida is making great strides in the solar energy area. Uh, the historically uh, the solar power generation was focused more on the rooftop solar PV systems um, where people put solar panels on their roof. That certainly is continuing to grow. But the scale of residential rooftop solar is it pales in comparison of what I believe the state needs. And the state really needs significant uh, utility type scale projects to provide the solar power in meaningful quantities. So uh, and, and that's really kind of what's happening. You see solar power MIA being developed on two fronts. One, there's the, the solar PV systems, rooftop, what we call rooftop solar, and that's that's doing well. That's driven primarily by the utilities net metering tariffs, uh, which all electric utilities are required to have under law. Net metering is essentially a billing mechanism that allows electric utility customers with solar panels to receive a credit on their electrical bill for the electricity they actually add to the grid. And, you know, how investor-owned electric utilities calculate and administer those solar credits can be contentious and the Public Service Commission typically resolves those contentious issues, either through rulemaking or through administrative hearings. The other area of solar power development is really what's taken on in, in, a, in, a, in a larger scale, no pun intended, is the utility-scale solar development. And that's all of the Florida investor-owned utilities, Florida Power & Light, Duke, Gulf Power, and Tampa Electric Company have made significant investment in what we call utility-scale solar power plants. Uh, Municipal Electric and Jacksonville Electric have also made that type of investment, too. And you're seeing, uh, you're seeing that play out now in the legislature. You know, while most people are in favor of solar farms, uh, some people don't like the farms to be located in their backyard or next to them. And you have that NIMBY kind of phenomenon that has developed. Several large power uh, solar power plants have faced local permitting challenges, which have prompted the Florida legislature to pass a law last session, Senate Bill 896, which in many instances limits and some would say preempts local governments from deciding whether or not solar facilities should be granted. And whenever the legislature preempts a local government, that typically uh, e evokes a response, sometimes litigation. And Kevin, you might want to yeah, Bruce, I, I tend to agree. I mean, that, that preemption issue is is the sort of thing that uh, could could easily uh, get pushed into a litigation phase. And um, and that's it, it kind of echoes what we were talking about earlier. I mean, you've got some bedrock principles of law that, that seem stable. But when you've got questions regarding th these new technologies and, and new uh, initiatives and that become available in the energy sector, oftentimes you have to revisit um and, and litigate the, the disputes that arise out of that. So it, it is an interesting issue, and I'm sure it will not be the, be the last in terms of evolving, evolving energy sources, especially in the renewable sector. Earlier, you mentioned broadband deployment, which strikes me as a telecommunications issue. How, how does that relate to energy? This is, this is an issue that, that COVID and the challenges of working remotely and learning remotely have really uh, accelerated to the forefront. So I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah, Kevin, you know, the, the pandemic really has 
has shown how important it is for our workforce and our educational systems to have a reliable access to high-speed internet service. And the deployment of broadband internet service is really a very big issue. Uh, every state is grappling with it. With it, our, our, our nation, the U.S. Congress, the Senate. Uh, it's it's a it's an issue that that is at the forefront, and there is a national debate uh, on whether and under what terms and conditions a broadband internet company should be able to attach its facilities to the poles of electric utilities in order to deploy broadband. Uh, historically, most of those pole attachment issues, where the telecommunications broadband industries have interconnected or dissected the electric utility industry. Most of those issues have been decided by the Federal Communications Commission. However, last session, the Florida legislature passed Senate Bill 1944, which requires the Public Service Commission to regulate pole attachment rates that an investor-owned utility may charge a broadband internet uh, company for the use of the utility's poles. Uh, the Public Service Commission is currently proposing rules to implement that law. So that is going to be closely watched and actively monitored by all of the stakeholders, the broadband companies and the electric utilities. Yeah, that's a big issue, even with the, the placement in the cities. They had, I think, legislation maybe two sessions ago dealing with what how municipalities cannot prevent these, you know, these poles coming up because it's so needed for access. So that yeah. definitely is an interesting issue, something that we would have never thought about 10 years ago, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting how the, the two industries, the you know, kind of the, the telecommunications broadband industries and the, the electric industries have kind of come together on this. You know, you mentioned the, the, the municipal utilities. Actually, the, the law was passed last session. It's House Bill 1239. It's called the Florida Broadband Deployment Act, and it's a very wide-ranging bill that does a lot of things. But part of that new law requires municipal utilities, electric utilities, to allow broadband internet companies to attach their facilities to the municipal utilities uh, distribution poles for $1 per year. And that's in place for, I think, uh, three or four years. But it is uh, this is a, a dictated governmentally directed rate cap that municipals can charge the broadband companies for the use of their poles. It was a very hotly debated law. And how it evolves and whether it will resurface again this session is something a lot of folks are, are looking at. All right, guys. Well, really interesting conversation today. Energy impacting not just our lights, the things we're used to, but telecommunications, transportation, um, reaching out across all sectors of Florida's economy today. Thanks to both Bruce and Kevin and also my uh, partner, Mia McCallan. And we'll look forward to seeing you back here when we bring on another topic of relevance to law and policy in the state of Florida. Thank you for listening to Florida Capital Conversations. For more information on our Tallahassee office, please visit hklaw.com slash Tallahassee.